Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Season 7. We made it to Season 7. I can't believe it. Season 7 of Modern Day Philosophers with me, your host, Danny Lobel. And it's a very exciting episode to kick off the season. We have one of my favorites, Doug Stanhope, on the show today. Very cool that I got to do this, and I'll tell you more about it in just a second. But first, let's get right into the sponsors. This first sponsor who I'm, I'm proud to say has been our sponsor for a long time, put out a bunch of Doug's first albums, put out my first albums, and only albums. One is out, one is coming out. I'm talking about the one and only stand-up records over here. Take a listen to this ad. Warning, stand-up records may cause intestinal distress, fits of insane laughter, instant diarrhea, existential malaise, headaches, nausea, dizziness, vomiting, seasonal affective disorder, more headaches, pneumomono, ultramicroscopic silicovolcanoconiosis. Stand-up records should not be handled by women who are pregnant, may become pregnant, have ever been pregnant, or personally know anyone who has been pregnant. Do not consult your doctor if he's operating heavy machinery. Stand-up records is for external application only. And stand-up records is, of course, good for a few laughs. So remember that standuprecords.com. For the world's finest comedy CDs, DVDs, and merchandise. That's standuprecords.com. The revolution will be hilarious. Stand-up records, the brand you know, the brand you trust, ladies and gentlemen. Go pick up some albums today. And I'm very excited to introduce yet a second sponsor for today's show, Comic Bento. What's Comic Bento? Comic Bento is the original graphic novel subscription box. Every Comic Bento box contains at least $50 worth of surprise graphic novels from both the biggest creators in comics and the unsung indie heroes. The guys who, like back in the day, were Bob Crumb and Harvey Picar. The cool stuff. Plans start as low as $17.50 a month, plus shipping and handling. And they bring you a new theme every month with graphic novels to go along with it. Head on over to www.comicbento.com and check out their pricing, unboxing videos, and more. Subscribers can use promo code MDP to save $5 on all new subscriptions. You want to do that. MDP, $5 off. What would that make it? Starting at $12.50 a month for, for the first month anyway? It's a cool thing to do. I signed up. It's cool because you get all kinds of new comic books to read that you would have never been turned on to. You would have never discovered them on your own. And they're being delivered to your house every month. And you don't know what you're going to get in that box. It's exciting. What do you want to just get bills in the mail all the time? Forget about that. Forget it. The future is comics in the mail, and the future is now. Speaking of indie comic heroes, Doug Stanhope is the guest on the episode today. I went to Bisbee, Arizona to do this at his place in a, in a little shed or back house. I don't know what you'd call it. It's called the Fun House. It's something that Doug built that he has TV screens up and all kinds of cool stuff. We talk about it a little bit and a bar, and uh, podcast recording equipment. I don't know, it's just a really fun place to be. And it's a place of legend that I've heard about for many years, and it was exciting to be there. Doug Stanhope's an incredible host. Two things to keep in mind when you're listening to this episode. One is that we were drinking the entire time, so you hear it as we go on. Get a little, you hear a little more... Well, certainly more noticeable with me, because I'm not a regular drinker. But you'll hear me get a little more buzzed, and maybe slur a few words as I go. And the second thing is that there are a bunch of interruptions from different people who come in. It really felt a lot like being at Doug's kind of felt like being at a, on a pirate ship to me. I don't know, there, 
There was the booze, and there were all these skellywags coming in. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but all these characters that came into the to the fun house uh, while we were recording, they just kind of felt like fun pirates. So I thought about cutting some of those out, but I decided, ah, I'm going to leave them in just to give you a feeling of what it felt like to be there. And after the interview, I polished off an entire bottle of Bushmills from top to bottom and drank with Doug all night long. It was a lot of fun. Doug made tuna melts. I don't know. I can't even tell you what a good time we had. I brought him some feta cheese from Israel. <laughs> I made a point of telling him it was good Jewish feta cheese. And he's like, well, why do you have to mention that it's Jewish feta cheese? Because I'm proud of our Jewish feta cheese. I think the Jews make the best feta cheese. And I'll t- take any Greek feta cheese down with Israeli feta cheese any day. That's a challenge, Greeks. All right. This is getting ridiculous. What about if I transport you (laughs) using our imaginations? I will now transport you to the desert to a little town called Bisbee, Arizona, where I did this interview with Doug Stanhope, one of my indie comic heroes. Go check out Comic Bento. Go check out Stand Up Records. And without further ado, except for the intro song, check out my conversation with the great Doug Stanhope. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. Modern Day Philosophers. Hey, this is I'm on the uh, this is Doug Stanhope. I'm on the is it just the uh, modern, Danny, modern Day Philosophers podcast? Modern Day Philosophers. I, well, yours is themed and ours is whatever we can think of to talk about. Yeah. But it's gonna go like that anyway because we're we're a few cocktails in. Right. I can't speak to people without it. <laughs> and today was a day that normally I the first thing you think of is maybe I should check into a rehab. Oh shit, Danny Labelle's coming. I ruined it. <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> I told Bingo, I go, fuck, I gotta do like five days of just you know, drinking a lot of water. Do you do? Do you go through those after cleanses? weekends like this? Because we had a we hosted a band. They had a, a the Americana Music Festival this weekend, and I told the guy running it that I'd host a band, and they were cool. Uh, if you're a Phoenix people or anywhere, just find a, a, a Trailer Queen was the band, and I, I they said they don't like the term rockabilly, but it's that kind of. It's very accessible and it's fun music, and she's a hot chick, which always yeah. helps. Uh, and uh, so we had a, just the last three days of just solid hanging with the band. Yeah. And I'd forgotten all about saying yes to you because that was before the three-day hangover. I'm you go, I'm three hours out. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm glad I'm I have to drink again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got in in that window before you realized. Uh, it's good to be here, man. This is my first time in Bisbee. I love Arizona. I don't know. when When did you... First find this city? Uh, I found this uh, 2000, I don't know, uh, 2002, I think. 
It was right after uh, I had gotten f- fake married to uh, Renee, and we we played Scottsdale, and we had three days off, killing time between Scottsdale and El Paso. So we're just taking back roads, and I think my friend from college moved to Bisbee. Let's go there. And when you drive through the tunnel, you're like, what the fuck yeah, is this? Yeah, it's amazing. It's like yeah. a Narnia or something. You just get through here, and it's this magical land. You have to see Old Bisbee before you leave. I know you're, and I'm glad you came because initially I said Sunday, yeah, I, uh, and you said, well, I have a show Sunday night, so I'll have to drive right back, and that's an eight hour round trip, and then do a show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, fuck it, make it Monday. I was, yeah, well, yeah, I got to see it. It's it, it was unbelievable. As soon as we got in here, I was like, I get it now. I get why Doug is here. This is. This is beautiful, and it's it's not that far away from everything, but it feels like you're a million miles away from everything. And you are. But when I remember when I moved, I, we, we had to move somewhere. My lease was up in Playa del Rey in L.A. You were in Playa and del Rey? It doesn't fl- seem like it Playa fits del Rey, at all. That was for a year, but if I ever had to move back to L.A., that's the only place I'd live. Because it's so segregated from the rest of L.A. Mm. There's the... You know, there's the, the but and it's eight minutes from the airport, and I, that eight minutes like total from how many minutes shit in the trunk is Bisbee to, from from the airport? It's an hour and forty five to the airport, but the airport is on this side of Tucson, so you have no traffic. Oh. I would rather drive an hour and forty five minutes through the nothing blank desert <laughs> than thirty five <laughs> minutes to the airport in L.A. traffic of stress yeah. and anger and yeah. So, so you were saying about Playa del Rey, you, you, you're six minutes from the airport, you're segregated from the rest of L.A. It's a, you like being away from everything, which I totally get. A traffic. Honestly, one of the biggest things in life I was trying to avoid was traffic. And I lived in L.A. for so long, and I go, there's nothing I really want here. I'm not mm-hmm. here to be fucking Tim Allen and have a sitcom. I'm not an actor. I'm a road comic, so I can live anywhere. So we played around with different ideas of where to move to, and we had kept coming back after we found this. Anytime we were driving in or out of L.A. to go on the road, we'd, if we had time off, we'd just stay in Bisbee because it's fucking great. They have great bars in old Bisbee and I got relic check out hotels. I, my dream as a kid was to move to Arizona. I've always loved it here. I love you the desert. You grew up in New York. Danny yeah. LaBelle, I've known, so I, it's going to be almost 20 years. Like 14 years. Something like that. I remember the first time I did, you had a radio show. The first time we met was, at, I think, at Sal's Comedy Hall. Oh, I remember that debacle. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, I played there once, and then the second time I was going to play there, they closed. So I'm in New York, and they go, yeah, that club closed. But in two days, we put together, mm-hmm. or maybe overnight, another, oh, here's a venue. We found your venue. Okay, yeah. so all the ticket holders can go there. That's a good thing about New York. Just anything can become a venue, and everything that, does. That become dude a venue. moved to L.A. and started a room. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. Sal, Sal is there. He was a he was a character. He sure is. Is he still there? He's still there. Good. He's got the restaurant. I had my brother. Remember, I was telling you, my brother got him that pizza shop job. Before that, I had him working for Sal. Uh, I said, you know, Sal might be uh, connected, but he's a great guy. I don't know if he's connected or not. So everything that happened, my brother got thought it was 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 some kind of a mafia stuff. <laughs> So everything, Sal, Sal said, do me a favor. I need you to go and bring this package to uh, to my friend up uh, in this, uh, I, I don't know what part of California. And, and my brother's like, 
I don't, I don't want to bring the package. And he's like, he's because like, <laughs> I had him convinced that Sal was a mobster. So he goes, he goes, what's the big deal? You're working for me. Just bring the package over. He goes, I prefer not to do that kind of work. He goes, just take the package to the guy. He's at a car dealership. <laughs> so my brother takes the package. He's so nervous the whole time. Uh, and he gets there, and uh, and the guy opens it up. It's like cannolis or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept saying, "I don't know if he's uh, if he's a connected guy." I go, nah, he, he's playing it down. <laughs> Everything that happened, like there was a knock on the door, and so I was like, "Can you get that?" And the guy's like banging like crazy. He's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna get whacked." Because my brother, you know, he had, I, I built this whole fantasy in his head that he was working for this big mobster, and he's like, "Open the door." He's like, "I don't want to open the door." He's like, "Open the." So my brother opens the door and it's like a tablecloth delivery. They just washed the tablecloths. Everything was heightened in his head. Oh, so you were doing this on purpose? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just for for a while you there, didn't think Sal's connected. No, no. I, but but I just every every opportunity for for the first two weeks that he worked there, I told him I said, Josh, I think he might be connected. You know, it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I I remember meeting you. I did. You had a radio show in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know, was it like was it, it was college the, it was, radio? Well, it was the very first comedy podcast. That's what people don't all know. Because oh, that was a podcast. It was the it was a podcast, and before it, because I used to ask comics to do my podcast, but I was the only one with a podcast. And then I have to explain for half an hour. I had to explain to them what a podcast was. So I just said it's. You know, it was at a com- college radio station. It was station. at a college. I did so, walk. I remember because I walked that day. Mm-hmm. So it was a day like today where you go, if I don't move, I'll die. <laughs> so instead of taking a cab, I walked for like an hour and 15 minutes. I remember to, that, yeah. Because you can do that in New York because it's a grid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to walk 80 blocks this way and then, uh-huh. then seven blocks to the left. Got it. Well, you were a kid. I, yeah. I remember being there, and like this is like, like a kid doing radio. I don't know how old you were, but you seemed like, like 20 a or chubby something. young kid, and now you're a fat man. Yeah, I grew, <laughs> grew into the fat man you knew I'd become. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do remember that day. I remember a couple days where I was just that hungover. I'm just going to walk through the city. Seattle was one. I went to an art museum. I'm like... Why am I in a fucking art museum? Like, mm-hmm. like, you can try to cure yourself overnight. If I walk a lot and then do something cultural that I don't understand, I'll feel healthier. Yeah. Oh, I should drink water too. This should take <laughs> about four hours. But the night before, <laughs> you be were out, you were out drinking with my ex girlfriend. I remember Katie Olson. Do you remember Katie? No. Anyway, yeah, you were drinking with her the night did before, I? and she she kept telling me she's like. Doug, I convinced him. He said he was too wasted. I convinced him to come in, and he's and then you walked all that way, and then for a long time she's uh, like, "You see that? That's the power." I'm. Ha- he walked all the way here. She took full credit for. It. <laughs> uh, so uh, the next thing I remember, I rem- and I I don't know if I actually I think I did give you shit about it. But I kind of wrote you off. You had a beef with Jim Norton, and I just uh, me no. Yes, I never had a beef with Jim Norton. Are you sure? Yeah. Fuck. I, I hope I, I hope I'm right about this. Didn't he get upset about something you said about a girl from comic he was dating? Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he said I think I forgot I just, about I that. just wipe my nose and I think there's there's crusts of crushed up Adderall that I just brushed out of my nose. <laughs> 
I don't do that I generally. I forgot about that. I did upset Jim Norton at one point. You did, and then I'm like, fuck him. Fuck him in my eyes, because, yeah. you know, it's yeah, your buddy, yeah, and fair he, enough. He, he has a beef, I have a beef. But I love Jim Norton. I never meant to upset him at the time, either. I had... Uh, it was had, a long time ago. Yeah, a long, long time ago. I had a, a girlfriend of his on my show, and I, I just I asked her questions about the relationship, and he didn't like it. He, I, he, he was upset for a bit. And yeah. I can see Norton, like, blowing up, like, just getting really angry for a minute, and yeah. then, then being fine. I yeah, but I've always been fine with him. Since I didn't even realize it was that bad a thing at the time, I just well, I, I remember I, I, I apologized to him and I said I didn't know it was a secret thing. You know, I didn't know it wasn't something I could bring up. Yeah, I don't think he has a beef anymore. No, I wouldn't imagine I, not. I can't imagine, but yeah, I, I was, I'm, I'm trying to. The, my recollections of you, I have bullet points. Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. Day walking. Yeah. One time, Jim this Norton. This is the most I've ever you. heard about it because the, all I'd ever heard before that was just, ah, Jim Norton's not too happy with that. And I remember going up and saying, I'm sorry. And I thought that was it. I, I'm going to uh, thank you, Kenny, but I'm going to switch to a uh, vodka soda splash of grapefruit. Yeah. Uh, but I love Jim Norton. I, I never yeah, meant to upset so him. He's so fucking good. Yeah. I've talked about it too many times on my podcast, but when you you're in the studio with him, he's tweeting, he's texting, and just out of the corner of his mouth saying the funniest shit yeah. off the top. I've always thought he was one of the funniest guys in New York, uh, by far. Him, Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr, and Colin Quinn were Colin to, to me. I remember Colin. I would run into all the time and go, "Hey, can I buy you a drink?" He goes, "How many times do I have to tell you? I've been sober for a million years." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't pay attention. I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, if I had to go to New York, which everyone knows I hate New York, uh, I would go to the comedy cellar. I'd get a out one of the two outdoor tables so I could smoke, mm-hmm. and then there'd be a couple people to drink with. Hang on, I'm getting a Di Stefano. That's where I was going. Because Di Stefano? Yeah, oh, that's coming okay. up. Uh, but I would go out, and there'd always be a couple people drinking, and then even David Tell quit. So I'd sit there... Even recently, in the last couple of years, I go to the comedy cellar and I'm just this weird guy <laughs> that still smokes and drinks. Everyone else is sober and going home to work on a script. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Remember the drinking, smoking, fun part? No, no one. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I always the the I always wanted Di Stefano. Mike Di Stefano was one of the funniest guys ever. Uh, and he was he was a sober guy, mm-hmm. one of the few Dave Mordahl, uh, Voss, mm-hmm. Colin, the guys that are sober that you don't feel bad being drunk around. Yeah. They still feel like they're 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 still with you. Yeah, you don't feel like an asshole. Uh, and Di Stefano was one of because New York terrifies me. Not only am I claustrophobic, and you, when you're in. Traffic, stop traffic on foot. That's not a fucking town to live in. It's a, you know what happens? You become desensitized to it when you're there. And then when you leave and you come back, you realize, oh man, this place is a shithole. Where I grew but, up is the same way. Worcester, Mass. I go, oh, I, I thought it was a great place to live. Now I go back as an adult. Yeah. But Di Stefano was such a fucking badass, hardcore. I always wanted to have him take me on a tour of the dirty parts of New York. Because I, when I go great. there, I stay in yeah. Manhattan. I'm like, well, I get the hotel that's closest to Stern because that's usually the only reason I'm there or mm-hmm. Caroline's. 
and but I wanted to have him take me to yeah the fucking Bronx and just all the seedy places because I would I would feel safe with him. He was a great guy. Yeah, he was yeah. a fucking sweetheart. Yeah, I miss him a lot. You know, it was uh, I never for years I never knew if he liked me or not. <laughs> He's one of those guys that you always want him to like you. You know, well I did anyway as a young comic. Yeah, I was like I really want Mike DiStefano to like me. And then Mark Marin was doing these two podcast tapings at comics, and the first one was all like the alti comics, and the second one was DiStefano and Voss and a few other guys. Comics with the X. With the X, yeah. yeah. And DiStefano, he said, uh, you, you ought to uh, come to the second one. It's for guys like us. And I felt like that was like the one of those great moments. Like you get was, tapped. Yeah. yeah. Those guys like us. I'm, I'm one of those guys. That's you know? fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a sponsor, I'll plug them. Well, sometimes stand-up records, Dan Schlissel. Oh, Dan Schlissel. Yeah. Stand-up records. He, he's got a, that was where we found Dave Hetty. Oh, uh, yeah. Dave is cool. He's you know, fucking yeah, funny like guy. Yeah. Wicked funny. We listened to that uh, on tour. I'm like, this guy's wicked funny. Yeah. We did a show together earlier this year in New Orleans. He's a great guy. Uh, one of the only Canadians I like. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't burn any bridges there, too. That's the funny part. <laughs> so uh, I did one of these with him, too, which is coming out. My, my, that's how old I am is my first uh, album recording mm -hmm. that I don't even recognize or acknowledge exists came out on cassette tape as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you you have two albums out now. I have one out two and one coming out. Yeah. How old were you when? Uh, how long were you in comedy when you put out your first one? Nine nine years. Nine years. Uh, yeah. So now the second one will be after fourteen years. Do you hate the first one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sometimes want to stop selling <laughs> sicko. It's just I was a fucking kid. That was all, it's mostly dick jokes, but. Right. I should keep it out there because you want people pe like it. You know, people keep. I get emails from people and they say, "Oh, I love the album." And you say, "Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you love it." So I can't really gauge what I think of it because I've moved on from that guy. It's a. It's well, it, and that's growth as an artist because if you're talking about real shit, well, the stuff that meant something to you and was funny to you when you were 25 is not going to be funny to you at 40. Right. But I also want to keep shit out there. Because new comics, someone just posted a video of me three months in a comedy on YouTube, what? and I I can't watch it. It's like 17 minutes long, and I heard the first sentence, and I just immediately gagged. It's mm -hmm. open mic. I was an open micer, and he, fuck you, Mike Upchurch. I find it painful to watch anything I do, though. Anything. I don't blame you for putting that on YouTube, but you fucking <laughs> should have just been decent and said, hey, I'm going to put this up. Do you mind? Yeah. And I would have said, no, I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like this uh, this concept I was taught in, in yeshiva as a kid where when you die, they play they play your whole life back for you as a tape. And 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 it's you know it's painful to watch the parts where you you, you didn't do the right thing, and I just I always oh, thought that would be a very painful movie. I always <laughs> I always thought the whole thing would be painful for me. I just can't watch even when I have a good set. I have a hard time watching it. The whole movie would be painful. The good parts, the bad parts, just watching myself. I've grown to hate myself so much 
that when I see something that's not that bad, I'm happy. <laughs> so you, it, I, I like is, my recent specials because I think they're so much worse than they are that when they're mediocre, I go score. Is it win. true? True what you're saying, or is it all just in general? You really is. hate yourself. Well, yeah, I have that Atel thing. Except Atel has motivate that motivates him. When I don't <laughs> like my set, it motivates me to never do comedy again. <laughs> It's just the comedy part, because I've I listened to a bunch of interviews. With well, your voice and uh, you, oh my god, I don't really look that awful, do I? Yes, you do. Oh, I'm, gl you I'm glad to, to hear you say it because you know <laughs> you were gonna bring it up later. It's no, in your notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you look like you look shit. terrible. You sound like <laughs> shit. I was it gonna makes say it a lot for... less awkward for me to bring. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, I, I mean, when I watch myself, I think I look terrible. I sound terrible, which I probably do. But you know, when I watch you, I think, oh, you look great. You sound great. So if you think you look terrible, it's it, it's a good equalizer. I, uh, in, in 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 a moment of clarity, I have to realize I've looked like this and sounded like this for twenty five years in this business. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows. It's not like, <laughs> oh, my God, they're going to finally find out that my voice is irritating <laughs> and I stutter and I'm ugly. Yeah. <laughs> they know that. Everyone already sees you every day. Yeah. So, yeah, just be you. But you're happy with yourself off stage? Is that what you're telling me? I, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. I wake up hating myself, then I go through... Hey, three drinks in, let's podcast. I feel confident, and then later right. I'm going to give you shit about something. Mm -hmm. And Hey, why isn't your girlfriend drinking? Skip yeah. me the grapes. And then I'll wake up going, <laughs> oh, why, was I too coarse? I was trying to be joking, but I sound very coarse. All right, philosophers. All right, so this is the philosopher, the guy Alex, uh, Alex Fosella, very funny guy from New York, picks them out. Uh, and uh, shout out to you, Alex. Hey, thanks. He's great. He's a, he's a funny comic. Long Next time, time he... listener, first time emailer <laughs> or tweeter. Uh, let's see if I can even say the name. I usually can't. Plontanus. Plontinius. Well, you're not gonna help me with my audio book version. <laughs> I'd be the worst. I'm, audio I'm as bad as Bill Burr reading. <laughs> yeah, uh, writing the book. I go. I, I guess I'm probably dyslexic because I. Am, but we decided we're gonna do the audio version, podcast style. Chad Shankle read a part. I'll read a part. There's letters that were written to me about my mother. The shit I didn't know. I'll have Tracy read that part, but then we can like go what? off script and f fuck around with it. What, what well, are the letters? Can I can I get into that for a second before we get into the philosopher? Well, uh, she she moved to L.A. to be an actress at you know uh, fuck like fifties in her fifties. I talked her into it. You talked her into it? Yeah, she was living in Florida. She was by then wretched, and uh, <laughs> but she was doing local theater. And I'm like, if you want to be an actress, come out here. Because I, I don't want to be an actor, and I have to go for these fucking auditions, and I stink at them, and I don't even want to do them. Mm -hmm. And I, she came out. So she did a lot of independent films. So there's a lot of her life I didn't know about when she was supposedly still sober, but she was drinking dollar store cough medicine for her emphysema uh -huh. and getting fucked up, but using it the excuse of emphysema. So... 
yeah, part of the book at the end is uh, one of the directors she worked on a, a few independent movies, like wrote all this shit. Tamar Halpern is her name, and she wrote this fucking beautiful, very long letter that I spaced out in the book, like parts. Okay, and then when I when I next used Bonnie on the show, I could tell she was off, <laughs> and then she offered me some dollar store wine, <laughs> and I'm like, I thought you were so so, yeah. but I'm gonna have Tracy read that, and then I can we can kind of do podcast style director's cut of the audio book. Oh, that's great. Because uh, do you, do you re- go back and rewatch the old video, the the movies that your mom did to to connect with her? I, or I have not. I I have them. Tamar sent me copies, and I, I, when I wrote that book, I would start just crying, but not really feeling emotions, and I'm like, when you're a long term drunk, mm-hmm. it deadens your emotions. But I was still reacting as though I had them, so I, I something would make me sad, and I just start fucking crying. But I'm not really feeling it. It's like if you couldn't feel pain, but you would still scream if you're on fire. Wow! <laughs> and uh, and ever since this has been a fucking year that I'm overly kind of emotional. When I reread Bingo's book, I, I was coming to fucking tears at some point, and then coming to rage at some point. I'm looking forward to reading that. Is it out yet? It, I... it, it comes out uh, May 12th or something. I don't know. I, I just, the, the call I was taking today where I was looking at you going, yeah, <laughs> giving the wrap it up sign to the guy on the yeah. phone, my manager, he's telling me. <laughs> so I'm going to like New York. It's, it's funny because there's one, it's just a paragraph in the book where I was so in love with uh, my ex at the time. I was so afraid to call her, and I, I likened it to how afraid I am to call Stern <laughs> to go on to promote something because I don't want to hear no. I'd rather not call than know that go. Feeling. Yeah, we 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 don't like you anymore. Yeah, and I was using that as a, an example of how afraid I was to call this girl I was in love with. And I just emailed Stern to come promote the book. I haven't heard back from Gary. Wow. <laughs> like I should have just sent him the fucking paragraph about Stern. How afraid I was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it comes out in May. So pre-order it because it means something for fucking sales, and I don't know how it works. Yeah. But if you pre-order it, it's more likely to make you well, know a seller list or something. Yeah, some. Yeah whatever dumb promotion shit that I don't care about. But I do want people to buy it. So somewhere inside you, there's all these emotions that'll come out physically, but, you know, you can't feel them at this point. Is what yeah, you... I don't know why I'm fucking yeah. bursting into fucking tears, but I am. I, I heard you talk on Stern about your mom dying and you doing comedy for her as she died. Was yeah, we well, kind of roasted her. Yeah, which is like... A... But, and... and... Got her off the wagon. She had been four years sober at that point, and I'm like, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fucking, you can't take that AA chip with you. Let's. She's like, yeah, you're right. And yeah. So it was me and Bingo and uh, and mother. So, so, if you heard the bit, the first chapter is the long version of the bit, but then it goes back to how fucked up she was. Did like, you write out the roast in the book? Like the the roast, do you remember even? I, I I don't remember any more jokes than were in the bit, because mm-hmm. 
yeah, it was late at night. I'd already taken Xanax to go to bed. She's like, it's time. And I'm like, what the fuck? All right, she's, honey, wake up. <laughs> Another cocktail hour. Yeah. <laughs> or more. But, uh, but uh, yeah, she was a weird woman. And it's a, a lot of my life. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of my, how I got into comedy. And she's the through line. How how was she involved in you getting into comedy? She she was the first person to say you should do comedy. You're funnier than these fucking cunts on <laughs> evening at the Improv. At some interview, I I heard you talk about I don't remember where now. You talked about doing dice at work when you were. You... That's that dice was the reason I got into comedy because when his first album came out, I was twenty three. And he's saying everything that's hilarious to you when you're 23. Uh -huh. Fucking, and then I stuck my thing up or cut shit, fuck whole thing, thang. Yeah. And but I would I would quote his bits at my telemarketing job, and the owner of the telemarketing company said, "Hey, that's funny. You want to open?" He had a cover band mm -hmm. uh, that he'd do f with his rugby league. He goes, you want to open for me? I go, that's not my material. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> well, you wouldn't care because you're a fraud telemarketing owner. <laughs> so why would you have any artistic integrity? But just the idea that I, if I had my own material, I could get a gig, that made me start writing. And then uh, your mom encouraged it. Oh, she had encouraged it years before. It was, But it was that moment where I go, if I had my own material, I could get a gig that easy. So I started writing the fucking worst jokes ever. Mm. Yeah, After no. this podcast, people will find that dumb fucking video. <laughs> video. Just horrible fucking jokes. It's the I worst did, thing he could have done I to did you. Doug he probably did it out of respect. One of my first professional, like, real gigs was the Las Vegas Improv, Steve Sharippa mm. at the Riviera. And uh, I worked with Doug Benson and someone else uh, as an MC. And I did Doug Benson's podcast. He goes, yeah, I remember. We used to call you Doug Stand-Up because all your jokes were just rote stand-up. Yeah. I, I would write what people would laugh at when I first started. I had no character. When I first started doing comedy, I thought I didn't. I only knew about Jerry Seinfeld. That's the only comedian. <laughs> I promise you, I only knew about Seinfeld from the little clips in Seinfeld. I thought he created a new art form. So when I started doing stand-up, I, I tried to do it in that form. Like, as every joke had to be written. I thought this is the way to do this thing. You have to do it in Seinfeld form. Like, all my jokes were like, what's the story with the convenience store? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember uh, specifically like asking after I do an open mic, I didn't sound like Dice, did I? Because I don't want to be like Dice, because that's what got me into it. But when you see that video, I have this New York affectation that has never been part of my fucking lexicon. I'm talking out of the side of my mouth and yeah. saying New York. And I have this mullet and I look like I'm 15 and it's fucking embarrassing as shit. But, but you, you got to go off somewhere. You got to have some starting point to go from. So I, When I uh, put out Deadbeat Hero in 2004 in the extras, I, I put in early tapes. Mm-hmm of myself being horrible <laughs> looking stupid just to get it, it out there so you what to it, it's important for young comics to know that you're going to suck at first right nobody's invincible it, yeah. yeah it gives it, it would give me courage i know that if i saw carlin just <laughs> 
stupid and eating shit and doing benign material. Hey, dating's tough in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that would go, okay, I have confidence now. I can suck for a f- several years and I'll get there maybe. Did you ever get to work with Dice? No, I, I, the only time, and I try to tell Dice this, uh, Dice and I were on Opie and Anthony uh, at the same time, and I try to tell him this story, but Dice is, a, a, and there hasn't been anyone since then that is that much of a powerhouse like Kinnison was, where they, he just comes in and takes over the fucking room no one's bigger than me. No one's tougher than me. Joe Rogan would have been, all right, I'll just shut up. Because he <laughs> comes in with that same energy. Dom Dice Clay. And they, he lights up a cigarette. And uh, Opie's going, oh, shit, Dice is going to smoke. <laughs> if I walked in there and go, fuck you, I'm going to smoke. They're going, you're not that big. You're not, you're not that popular. Take that shit outside. <laughs> but that had that. And he's in... I don't know if he's in character afterwards. I asked Norton, because Norton used to tour with him. I go, is that, that's in character, right? He goes, you can never really tell. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the dumb shit. Let's get to the. <laughs> the philosopher. We're you probably, saw me glancing we're over probably there. at 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yes. Plut- fucking, Plutinius. I, maybe that's how you say it. I don't know. You want to take a, a jab I, at it? I need my. Uh, my houseboy is getting my, or my mayor, I should say. <laughs> Castle Rock, any for mayor. I gotta, I gotta get my reading glasses. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Plot, how would you pronounce that? Platonus? Platinus? Plotinus. Plotinus? Well, he's Greek. Plotinus. No one fucking knows who he is anyway. Do you have some kind of like. Uh, skull and bones following no one knows who the fuck this guy is yeah. anyway <laughs> <laughs> he was a greek guy he lived from two, 204 to 270 uh he was a major philosopher of the ancient world in his philosophy there are three principles the one the intellect and the soul his teacher was Ammonius Saccus. it doesn't matter if i get the names right nobody cares about the names right, yeah just on this skip show. the names just put in uh just Castle Rock Kenny and uh, Reverend Derek. Just change every Greek name because we got to promote this male. Right, right, race. right. Uh, Greek, what was the name? Castle Rock Kenny Tra- and Reverend Derek. Reverend Derek, yeah. So his uh, his teacher was Reverend Derek. That works. There you go. <laughs> and he's of the Platonic tradition. Historians of the 19th century invented the term Neapolitanism and applied it to him and his philosophy. I which love was that ice cream. <laughs> in, so I, was, I was trying late, to make fat, fat guy It worked talks, It worked yeah. Because as soon as you said it I, I was more into it <laughs> <laughs> Alright so what's this uh, Philosopher's So we're going to get to He says what you have in common Doug's a fan of drugs And so is Platonius His choice was opium I'm really not a fan of drugs That's I, what I Alex rarely deduced. use drugs I, was, I had to do a takeaway I did a bump of the girl crushed up a fucking Adderall last night and I did a half a fucking bump just to be polite he said also he heard you talking about how you love ecstasy and other things like that if uh, at this point I rarely do drugs I do cocaine if it's medicinally required to be up for a show and I do <laughs> such a small amount mm-hmm. uh, ecstasy I'm afraid of all the drugs I like because I have so much emotional baggage now that m- mushrooms 
ecstasy uh, or uh, acid. It, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to do drugs. I've never been a drug guy, but I've always been a fat guy, as you know. So I've always, you know, every fat guy who's ever done drugs didn't last very long. Kids come down here and they think it's going to be like all Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. And then they see me all fucking like when you showed up, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, give me a couple of drinks and then I can make social. I can just, just talking to you who I know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah they, like, they think it's going to be fucking crazy. And- it's funny. I said to Alex, I don't know how much Doug loves drugs. I know he loves to drink. I don't know. When you do drugs, that's when weird shit happens, and that makes it into your act. Mm-hmm. So people think you do that all the time. No, I just when I do it, fucking. Some... And by the way, the original guy he picked for you was Hunter S. Thompson. I said, that, that, I don't want to do Hunter S. Thompson with. with yeah, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, as too, they say, too much. Bukowski more than Hunter S. Yeah, as I age. Why? <laughs> Well, because I'm a bitter old miserable drunk that does nothing but sit in a bar and think of things and never do them. Andreas <laughs> <laughs> right. Thompson actually went out and did crazy fucking shit, and I'm a scared old man now. Uh-huh. That's why I have this fence. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be vetted to get in here. That's what the fence is about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh uh, Plotinus, if that's how you say it, is concept of the one is the unique quality that all things share. Animals, objects, concepts, etc. It is the drive that creates all things. It is also part of its creation. So creation is the one reflecting itself. Take your time and read this like you're talking to me. I'm not catching what you're saying. Wait, your fucking wife's a writer. She can read, probably. Yeah. Can you read that better than him? Yeah, find the bullet points. Uh, uh, Kira? Kylie. Kylie, fuck. I I made Gene Connors introduce himself because I couldn't remember your name. (laughs) All right, try that one. The whole thing? Well, just get to the get to the point. You just skim over it. I'll I'll kill time while you skim over it. But get find the bullet points where how it. What's this got to do with me? (laughs) What the fuck? I don't know. Philosophers, comics are philosophers. One of the best jokes, uh, or uh, you know, the when a comic has a bit that you go, "Why the fuck did I never think of that?" It's so simple. But Louis C.K. He did a special where he's talking about why men are attracted to tits. And they go, well, because you're weaned on the breast. He goes, so are girls. <laughs> they go, that's so fucking obvious. I right. never thought of that. Girls aren't going, oh, I want that titty. <laughs> <laughs> Some are. I'm, I'm not, yeah, yeah. That's not his bit. He's yeah. far funnier. All right. Okay, your Kylie, lady, take your, it away, Kylie. Yes. Um, basically, he is not a believer in God. He thinks that God is... It's he calls it the one, and he says that the closest thing we have to God is possibility, the possibility to create things. This is the line I don't get. He says the one is not God because God would create with a sentient mind and therefore be subordinate to the one. So what makes that's us, why comics yeah. are better philosophers because they talk in modern day f- 
terminology. Right. I don't know. Is it sentient? What does that mean? Sentient's like... Uh, yeah, I didn't know. Oh, oh geez. Here, here comes the shout-out, Kenny. Sentient ape. One of my, like, probably top five guys that tweets back at me every day. Hey, sentient ape. I never know. I don't know what the fucking word means. We cannot grasp the one rationally because we have finite brains and must trust that it exists. I think it means, like, living is sentient, I think. Project. Put some roller coaster in reading it. Say that same sentence again where you're delivering it. We cannot grasp the one rationally because we have We cannot fin- grasp, we the, cannot one grasp the one rationally. The one is the God. Because we have finite brains and must trust that it exists. All right. Boom. And I, 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 I'll get hate mail for getting the wrong guy. It's either, it's not Timothy Leary, it's Aldous Huxley. Oh, yeah. We did Huxley on this. When I, when I, uh, I, I I'll read a book and... If I glean one thought from it, I'm a happy man because I forget everything. I'll read a whole book. It takes me two weeks to read the thing. But one of them, I think it's Huxley, had some kind of idea that the brain is not the source of knowledge. It's the filter of knowledge where you have ultimate knowledge available to you. Mm -hmm. But you can't handle all that because if you have to fucking work at Payless Shoes or Chili's bussing dishes, you can't know the ways of the world <laughs> and still be able to just. And, to and survive, that was my yeah. DMT story with Rogan that I won't tell again because I've told it so many times. But yeah, it was like ultimate knowledge is immediately available to you. You know everything and you're calm. And then we had to go back to writing man show monologues. Going, this is stupid. This fucking whole show is stupid. And now I know the meaning of life. You shouldn't have. It makes it a little bit worse. You had too so much I information think, there. Is that kind of the, what he's saying? Yeah, from my Kylie? take on it. Yeah, right? <laughs> Kylie, yeah. yeah. And sentient, but, by the way, sentient means conscious, like a conscious uh, being. So the guy who's, what's his name, sentient monkey? Sentient ape. Sentient that's, that's his Twitter handle. He just tweets me. So a he's lot. a conscious ape. That's it. So aren't we all? I think that's his, probably his point. So here I've got a paragraph. What I what I do with these is I just try to. I don't I don't understand any of this stuff on my own. So I just try to understand it with a comic every time. Yeah. No. Go ahead. So I'll I'll do my best to read it. Your I, wife I, just helped us out quite a bit. All right. The undivided soul is divided. Among living bodies. Let's start with that. Don't you have philosophy for dummies where you just write it like a fucking gang banger and say it? That's what I try to do here. I try to break it down like a gang banger would. All right, so say it again. The undivided soul is divided among living bodies. That guy was such a pompous cunt. I got he it. He was the fuck. You know what? If they had Largo in Greece... That guy was headlining. (laughs) David Cross would get bumped for this guy. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I figured it out. Go go to another sentence. I I got this one. The undivided soul would be God, right? Or the the everything. The one. The one is divided amongst living bodies. So if there's one consciousness and it's divided amongst all of us, 
That's what it would. That's probably. Yeah, I don't get that. And I've done a lot of hallucinogens, and I never understood the Bill Hicks and or the fucking we're all one consciousness. That I don't. I don't get that. I'm fucking dumb, and that's why I attract a great dumb fan base because <laughs> I'm this a smart dumb guy. I think it was uh, Greg Barrett had a bit that was and it was kind of close to one of mine. And in the early days, in the 90s, he goes, we have a bit that's kind of similar. His was better, but I'm just smart enough to realize that I'm dumb was his bit. <laughs> and mine was about Kafka. <laughs> about not getting it. Yeah. The guy turns into a bug. That's what I get out of fucking... Right. Yes, he turned into a bug. What's If you have a fucking <laughs> hidden message, don't make it hidden because you, you need to talk to dumb people. Actually... Another bit that I ripped off from myself and made more clear on another special 20 years later. Yeah, if you have some smart shit to say, say it in a way dumb people understand it because those are... Th that's what I'm trying to do anyway. But, All right, well, then but, keep going. But, but by the way, that's the best thing for me as a comic. I love being able to look at an old bit that I, I was like, oh, I couldn't articulate this thought well enough at all. And then I come back at it now and I'm like, all right. I can make something out of this. That's good. Yeah, I wasn't an idiot back then. I just didn't know how to tell Say people. Say it. <laughs> just, I was looking for the right word. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Uh, we inevitably think of the soul. And, and one more point on what you said, by the way, because I've never done hallucinogens. And I've always thought maybe I could be like Bill Hicks or George Carlin or John Lennon when they changed, how they changed the way they thought when they did some hallucinogens. I talked to Artie Lang about it on the podcast and he said, yeah, stay away from it. It's not worth it, man. He's because he, he says you're better off not getting into that stuff because you, it's hard to get out and it's hard enough and it becomes a nightmare. But it's good to hear that somebody did it and it didn't. It didn't have that, you know, otherworldly. Yeah, well, Hicks died at 32. Yeah. And I looked now as I hit 50. I look at how I was at 32, and I was what? Dumb as fuck. Mm -hmm. And Bill Hicks read a lot of books, and he was sober. You're like Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks was an AA guy <laughs> that was reading a lot of Noam Chomsky and then you know, figuring out how to finagle a dick joke into it. I understand it. As I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong, and he did enlighten a lot of people, a lot of dumb people. I thought it was funny him up a bit. that people compare you to Bill Hicks. I never, I never would have put you with Bill Hicks. No one ever compares me to Chris Rock, where I, of all the contemporaries, I'm more like Chris Rock than anyone else. But no one would ever go across the fucking racial lines. Like, yeah, he's got a he's got a bunch of fuck jokes, but he also has a lot of social commentary. Yeah, and he's loud and irritating voice, abrasive. <laughs> like I was never like I'm not like Kinnison where I'm like. Ah! Yeah, but I'm loud enough like Chris Rock is. I think that would be the best comparison. I could see that. Yeah, no one has ever said he's like the Chris Rock, and I think it's a racial. It's thing. a racial thing for sure. If I had to describe myself, and I never do when I do when I have to do interviews, how would you describe your comedy? I go, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I writing this piece for you? <laughs> you describe it. I just I just say what I think is funny 
And uh, if they don't like it, I'll quit. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I'll just stop doing it if they stop laughing. I don't. I just say what I'm thinking. I've never heard anybody do the the interracial comparison. Like, oh, that guy's a lot like Eddie Murphy, a white guy. Exactly. Never. But there's a lot of white guys that were influenced by Eddie Murphy. But but it's always a black guy. It's like, oh, you know, that guy's like Eddie Murphy, or that guy's like Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I say, all right. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. I'm trying. I was trying to. I was trying to come up with other examples of that. But anyway, let's get back to this. We inevitably think of the soul, though undivided, as present to bodies in division. Got I have no idea that? what that means. I'm. I'm, I'm we, well, we think about the soul, though undivided, like as one, as present to bodies in division. Divided into different bodies. Kenny, you can come grab this mic if you know what he's talking about. I don't know. I don't think about. I'm not a guy who sits around and thinks about, you know, the future, the infinite, or the never, the soul. No, I don't, because I don't know, and none of us know. So to have some kind of conjecture as to what it all means, it's a. You know when you you fuck a girl with a lot of self-help books on her bookshelf <laughs> and the more she has the more fucked up she is we just don't know so just go with what pleases you but you've never had these kind of like real uh, introspective moments where you try to yeah about how much of a douchebag I am for saying stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> look back at bits where I I was so fucking, this is how the world works, kind of. like. You must I, think about souls at some point, right? You must think, is there souls or what, what happens or anything like that? Well, I, I, I'll think about it, but I don't ever come to a point where I think I have an answer because none of us know, and that's the beauty. And that was that DMT trip was the beauty of, you know what? I don't want to know the end of the story while I'm still reading the book for another fucking 20 years. <laughs> you don't want to know the meaning of life. That's what I got out of DMT. You know everything, and I, then I tried for years. I still say that one day smoking DMT with Joe Rogan altered my life in such a bad way where Rogan <laughs> finds the positive and I go, I already heard the punchline and I have to sit next to, next to some old drunk telling me the long version of the joke <laughs> well, where was, I already know the punchline. Well, I got to sit here. What was the punchline you got from it? You, you'd have, you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I can remember. The point is, when people say, you know what, it's indescribable, and that's the jumping off point where they try to describe what's indescribable. Uh, but I, I, and I've done the rat analogy enough. It's like if you had the, a rat's life, you are a rat. And you, uh, see, now I'm doing it, Gino. I'm fucking going to describe it. <laughs> if you uh, were a rat, lived a rat's life and you ate garbage out of dumpsters and tried not to get hit by cars and you're filthy and you're f and then you smoke some shit with Joe Rogan and then you had the consciousness that we have as humans and then 5 minutes later you're back to being a rat but you have that memory yeah and you're like oh fuck 
I eat out of dumpsters. I'm filthy. I carry lice. So that's and what I it, can't get rid of that. I can't get rid of that knowledge. <laughs> that's what it was, huh? Pretty much like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it gives new meaning to too much information. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about when your mom passed away? Were these thoughts all going through your head then? No, we. She. She. No, no. When she died, it was so. Like finally, <laughs> she was only sixty-three, but she had fucked herself over so much. She suffered for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she turned into an awful person, just hateful. And I, I fight every day against becoming her, but I see it every minute of my life. I'm like, I'm like mother. I hate people for no reason. <laughs> my whole day is consumed with one guy that fucking didn't stop at a complete stop at a stop sign, and I'm, I take down their license plate and memorize it in case. That's why I fucking love Chad Shank so much because. He, he, but he he could he would honestly go hurt people. I just know knowing I could go kill your kids is enough. I think we're just doomed <laughs> to become our parents whether we like it or not. But my dad was the sweetest guy in the world and uh so I I I I try to focus on that. He was just the most welcoming, beautiful human being ever. And that's why I'm a good host, Gino. What is your, my dad? Yeah, what did your dad? What would your dad do? He was a, a biology teacher, and then then became the superintendent of uh, science in the. He's in the Massachusetts Science Scholars Teachers Hall of Fame. Wow, he's a, just a. He was just, he was like Richie Cunningham's dad in Happy Days, only mm. dumber. <laughs> <laughs> just the sweetest. It's in the book. Hey, it's I got to piss. It's do, not do you, much. Do you break yeah, on your... let's take a break. Let's take a we'll break. We'll come back. All right, please hold. We're back. Yeah, no, no, but always just record anyway because you get off mic and you you're, you stop being aware of the microphone and then you start talking like we're talking. You know? Yeah. You go, fuck. It's, it's better. Like in your head, you're on stage once you see your recording, but then you talk real shit. Yeah. Without the, uh... it's really great to be here, man. I've always heard about this. This is like a place of legend, you know. I'm happy to have you here. I'm glad you're staying too. Me too. When, when... Nice to see you, Anne Marie. Nice to meet you, Anne Marie. Donic wit is too high for you. You can't. All right, we got to get back to. We're gonna about to finish up this podcast with philosophy. So if you want to chime in <laughs> on shit, I I just read it. I don't understand it, but. We have Kylie here, my wife, and she's uh, she's looked over the philosophy during the break. And uh, wh what do you think it means, Kylie? Okay. He says, we inev inevitably think of the soul, though undivided, as present to bodies and division. And I think that means there's one undivided soul that we all share, but the soul is present individually. Which is the Bill Hicks bodies. thing about we're all one consciousness thing. I never got it. Basically. This is sticky. What do you think this is? Stop. You're not on a microphone. We're, we're actually <laughs> podcasting now. Sorry. You can stay in here. I'm just like, you don't. Insofar as any bodies are animates, the soul has given itself to each of the separate material masses. I think that means the one soul is divided into every living being again, including humans, plants, animals, etc. 
And then he says it appears to be present in the bodies by the fact that it shines into them. It makes them living beings, not by merging into body, but by giving forth images of itself like one face caught by many mirrors. I just think he said we, we see the soul is real through the fact that we see that every person has one. I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. That dude didn't have Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of time alone in a fucking igloo or wherever he lived thinking about stuff. Did we glean anything so, off I'll, of that? Yeah, I'll tell you what I got from I had a moment with my tortoise, man. I was... <laughs> Exactly. Is that the name of your new special, A Moment With My Tortoise? I did, because I was looking. We have him walk around the the, the living room. I I put this into a stand-up bit, so I feel cheesy saying it now. But but I said, you know, to make myself feel like a Colombian drug lord, I started letting my tortoise walk around the living room. And and we had this stare-off where I'm sitting in the chair, and he's staring. He hates me, the tortoise. He likes my wife, but he hates me. always nips at my my toes because she feeds him, and I don't. And we were staring at each other's eyes, and I was looking at him. I was like, there's a spark of life in there that's the same spark of life that's in me. And we were just basically the same energy divided into two different creatures. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I need I need really more stuff to do. No, no, no. I, <laughs> if you glean, even if it's fake, yeah. even if it's wrong... If you glean something that gives you a life energy, I give this. Uh, Anne Marie is not on mic, but she's a massage therapist. That li- you, can call me you can jump on this one if you want. Hey, my no. name is Anne Teeters, and I'm and I'm a super genius. Good to have you here. She's a fucking crazy person, but she she exudes life. I think for and myself. I, and I he thinks I'm crazy because I think for myself. And I have my own value structure that he doesn't really understand. I know. Crazy and, people are the most entertaining. She, she'll walk around when everyone's hammered and like force people to drink water like a dominatrix. You need more water. <laughs> drink, drink, and then pour it into people's mouth. You and she's drink just water, man. You got to. It just really helps everything. Out she's batshit crazy, and I, I give her shit so because I'm jealous. Crazy is the N word for strange women. But, hey, I live with crazy. Yeah. By the way, I I spent I spent a week with this guy in hospital. I got a. This was a sweet gig for me. I got three thousand dollars to spend a week, twenty four hours with this guy who um, who's like this bipolar schizophrenic who almost had his legs amputated because he went off his meds and went homeless and he had gangrene all over his legs and he kept pulling the IV out. And somebody said, "You want to do this thing where you gotta convince him to keep his IV in for a week for three thousand bucks?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll do that." And and we became really good friends. The guy's absolutely nuts. And then he got, we saved his legs. They were gonna amputate his legs, and and I said, "Look, just keep your IV in." And and it was all about bartering with cigarettes. I was like, "I'll give you two cigarettes to keep the IV in for another twenty minutes." That's nice, know? nice. Yeah. And 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 this was an entire week. And my brother Josh was there too, who I was telling you about. The two of us took the gig together. We split the three grand. He made him pizza. <laughs> he, he, it's just like the this two guy's of, just tearing his IV out for the pizza. We were playing good cop, bad cop. Anything we could do to keep him, you know. They to were make gonna, sure you get that, to make sure the three thousand dollar check cleared, you're doing everything you can. Right, but we became really attached to him, and he thought he was the Messiah and everything else, you know. And he was screaming, and he was he was crazy, and uh, and then he got put into a lockup our uh, facility in Artesia, which is like this weird Indian neighborhood in L.A., an hour away from us. And we started dry, after the job ended. We just kept 
we felt this attachment to him afterwards and we kept going to visit him and we were playing like lightsabers with with these sticks that we found on this on the on the floor at the lockup facility and then we did uh we told him his, his name is steven we we're like it's national steven day and we brought in these hats and and little uh fun-sized candies and everything and and we were just uh giving everybody in the mental facility we became friends with everybody at the mental home and and it was really fun. We did this for like two years, uh, the first two years in L.A. And then he got transferred and I lost touch with him. And then I, I took this cafe job on Sunday mornings working at this cafe and in L.A. from from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then all these weirdos were coming in. And then in comes Steven. And he's clean cut and he's dressed nicer than I could ever afford to be dressed. And he comes in and he goes, oh, hey, Danny, how are you? <laughs> He goes, tell me about the, uh, what's the difference in price between the uh, cream cheese uh, and lox spread and the lox and cream cheese bagel? And I was just perplexed. I was like, that's, that's the same fucking, that's dude a good story, who sir. was drooling all over himself. And I was, I was negotiating. I, I, I don't know. I, I go, I, I don't know what the price difference is. I could, I could look it up for you. He's like, how are you? You doing well? This is the same guy who I, who I went to visit in a lockup facility and he told me all he wanted was a chicken sandwich from McDonald's and I brought it and he threw it and it stuck to the light. <laughs> and and, uh, and that, now he's coming into the work and I'm like the, the, the dude who's, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I'll look up the price difference. He goes, how are you? Are you doing okay? He's worried for you. For me. He's worried for you. <laughs> the lox and cream cheese, it's eight ninety five. He's like, okay. He pulls out a wad of twenties and he's flipping through. I'm like, how the hell did Steven beat me, man? This is it's like fucking Jack Nicholson faking crazy and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, I'm like if that was a, a fake out, then that, that you know a three year fake out that he pulled on me. <laughs> what I what I got from that story is it's nice to be at an age or stage of comedy where you can brag about how much money you made. Because at some point, then you look like a dick. Right. <laughs> like Bill Burr would never go, I made $60,000 for doing 30 minutes. Because at some point, you can't yeah. brag right. about... And I, my mother, she was the only one I could brag to about meeting famous people or making a lot of money. Mm. She's like, I told you, I was, I was the one that fucking told you. You should do fucking comedy. <laughs> and then you lose those people because when once you're surrounded by only entertainment people, then you just look like a dick. Mm -hmm. Where I'm yeah. still as enthused as I was when I was a fucking open micer. When something nice happens, I got a call from my manager today. I'm like, really? That happened? And I go, I want to tell someone, but there's no one to tell because now you just look like a braggart because well. I still feel like I'm a... I bag think, of shit open mic. I think it's because you moved to Bisbee, man. You you got away from all the bullshit and you you're here and you're you're part of real life. Nobody ever brings up comedy here. I'll come back from a tour or someone will go, How's your tour? Anyway, did you hear about uh yeah, Margot she lost a lung. And you go, I'm <laughs> so happy to not talk about my career and no one brings it up. Yeah. And I fucking love that. I fuck yeah. I'm like my dad here. Where, uh, hey, nice to see you. How's everything at the Safeway? You meet everyone at Safeway. It's the common place where you run into everybody. And uh, that's why I, I like being part of the Jewish community in, in LA because it's like 
the Jewish community that I'm part of is not like the showbiz Jews. They're they're the ones who are <laughs> who are actually into like the philosophy of Judaism and all that kind of stuff. And speaking of Jews. Do we have to do a plug for your podcast? This is a swap cast. Everyone, if you don't know what a swap cast is, when two comedians both have a podcast, you do a podcast, you both put it out on your own as your own thing. Yeah. Steal that, do that, because it's dumb to not do that. And I... I I hope we didn't answer your fucking question about the philosopher. We still have three, three or more oh, quotes oh, from right. the guy. Let's, but let's when, bang him out. Let's bang him out. Bang him out, Danny. Bang him out, Danny. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this. When, when I went to go get my equipment from the car with my wife, we, we came here. We're hanging out. We're having a few drinks with you. And I said, okay, let me go get my equipment. And I said, this place is so cool. Like, look at this place. This is amazing. We're in the fun house. And, and I was like... Doug's got Doug did it, man. He's got this great compound. He's away from all the bullshit. He's like, he's he's in the middle of, of the most beautiful part of America, and and then right across the street. But this compound is like, it's just pure fun. It's just and like, it's kind of hidden. It lights. Like the you drive up, you go two twelve. I it's on the mailbox, it's, right? And then, but it's hidden. It's it sunk. It ignites the comic soul when a comedian walks in here. <laughs> You feel it. You're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a comic atmosphere. There's all kinds of weird shit in this room. There's tiki bar glasses and you know, air fresheners of of topless women and little helmets from. But it's like you know, comedians were just like kids that are that 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 held on to our childlikeness and became older. I love getting old because I've never done. I, I, I've been a comic for longer than I wasn't a comic. I started at 23. I've done comedy for 25 years. I'm, I've yeah. been a comedian for longer than I wasn't. When I was a kid, my greatest joy was going to garage sales and, and picking up old shit like this, like what you have behind you. These I remember getting old air fresheners with, with naked ladies on them. I remember getting a monk that when you push the back of him, a boner pops those, up. Those glasses, do you remember those? They might be before your time. The girl where you put a cold drink in and then the bra disappears. Yes, yes, the, I yes. remember those, yes. Someone brought those. So this is like that great environment that ignites the comic soul. And I said to my wife as we were going to get equipment across from the car, I said, and here's this amazing atmosphere that gets you excited and Right across the street, there's just another house with a person who lives in it. Okay, I'm sure they're a great person, but that's just a regular house. We 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 do our best to make our neighbors. Hey, sorry, was it too loud last night? Yeah, <laughs> but but right across the street, there's real life, you know, and here yeah. and here's fantasy life, you know. But yeah, that's the, the weird life around here are the people that vote. Where you go, why could Trump be president? Well, all these houses where the lights go out at 7.30 at night, those are the people that vote. <laughs> There's no fun here. There's no... Okay, Bisbee's one of those towns where, in old Bisbee, where it's all the cool hipsters and fucking homeless and all the artists live, and they do the keep Bisbee weird, like keep Austin weird. And so... We live in the boring section of town where our, our slogan is keep Warren boring. <laughs> Warren is this. <laughs> and we're, we're the, only, we're the uh, only noise that happens after 8 o'clock at night is from this house. And uh, 
I'm sure a lot of people hate us, but I, I have a fence. I have a giant <laughs> corrugated steel fence, so I don't meet those people that hate me. And the ones that are in the closest earshot, I try to <laughs> make nice with all the time. All right, we got my the... neighbor across the street. Once they were shutting off his gas because he hadn't paid it, and I fucking walked out in the street and I fucking paid his bill on the spot. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Neighbors are important. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. The, the last part of this show is the quote, <coughs> and I always ask the guest, which will be you in this case, to read the quote, and then we discuss the quote. But before right. we do that. Did you get anything out of this guy so far? I got nothing out of this. I I feel really stupid. But don't feel stupid. Nope. Just so you know, nobody gets... No comedians that I talk to have real philosophy backgrounds. I don't feel stupid in a a debilitating way where I'm going to wake up sad tomorrow. I have enough (laughs) problems of my own. But The whole point of this is really to get into your philosophy. It's just to bounce off of this guy to get into what you're thinking. So, so, so read it to me. I'm reading it, and I... Here, I'll give you the sense. quote. Give this... If you don't mind, read it out loud, and then I'll go over it with you. It is in virtue of unity that beings are beings. Who the fuck knows what that... <laughs> That's got to be the, the oneness that we were talking about. I know, but I didn't understand that, so let's go to the next quote. <laughs> All right. In turning towards itself, the one, the God... It is this seeing that constitutes the intelligence caps. So in turning towards itself, the one sees, and it's the seeing that constitutes the intelligence. Even Anne-Marie, who talks all this fucking holistic mumbo-jumbo all the time to me, is going, I don't know the fuck they're talking about. Anne-Marie, what do you think of that? I think the one is in the masculine, just like Doug read it, but I don't think it states that. And then the intelligence is kind of presumptuous. I think that there are multiple intelligences, but in turning toward, but in turning toward oneself, that is when you see. All right, let's so. move to the last one. When you turn toward yourself, Hang you on, do the, see. The last There's one. Like no, I more. do get this. Wait. There's three more. Wait. Get, wait. Yeah, she I get, says she gets it. Oh, no, no, I get this. Oh, no, she's lying. Yeah. I don't get she, it. She yeah. lies all the time. Uh, Here, this oh, one. Yeah. Listen, Anne Marie. Listen, I am striving to give back the divine in myself. To the divine in the all. There's which like I a chorus of inner, inward and outward on that that makes you, it's kind of like a koan in the Buddhist tradition where you kind of just turn inside out, like a Rumi quote where you just kind of, it's not necessarily that you have some. Sorry, definition. I knew this pit bull was rabid when I opened the cage. Roof! <laughs> <laughs> the next Ruff. one, yes, I'm trying so, I'm, so, trying, I'm trying to give back. Let me ask yeah, you, have you ever had moments? With the divine. Have you ever had any thoughts of the divine? No. Never. No. Never in your whole life have you ever prayed Moments once. Of ecstasy. Like when you're just like at one. And orgasm. Brett Erickson has a great joke. He goes, I'm an atheist, but I find myself faltering <laughs> in my uh, in my belief in tight spots. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, oh, please don't let her be pregnant. That's not his joke, but... But is that true? Do you find... Are there moments where you pray or where you look for something more in your life? Never. No. All right. When I was was younger, I was, you know, the... It's kind of cliched and hackneyed at this point is, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And uh, I'm trying to get less atheist because I like to believe in a lot of things uh, that are just 
illogical. But yeah, hey. I definitely believe that God is a oneness within everybody. I feel like life is a spark and that we're all part of the same spark. That's that's where I'm at. And and you have no basis for that belief. It just makes you well, happy. Even the Christian right. book says God is love. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, it does make me happy, but that's all I care about is my own happiness. And whatever makes you happy, whether you believe in fucking... Yeah. Hip hop or scratch tickets. Kenny comes over and plays scratch tickets all day and he thinks that $500 winner is going to change his life and whatever makes you happy. And I I, I like to believe in, oh, it's more than coincidence and it's fate and. But it's it's based on nothing other than making you. You're deluding yourself because we don't know. Right. And that's the horror of the emotionless logic of being a long-term drunk where you lose emotion, you lose and you just see things through instinct and basic logic and it's an empty fucking world so I want to be dumber but the thing you said earlier that I liked and I don't, I'm probably repeating it wrong was that the not knowing is the thing that that is the excitement of the mystery of life exactly right yeah, why would you? So, why would you want to? If you watch a fucking murder mystery, you're gonna guess at the ending, but you don't want to know it. Right. And that's why uh, fucking Christians. I say Christians because that's who we're surrounded with. But anyone with a dogma that says, "Well, you know, Jesus and this," like, then how do you go through life if you know that that's what it is, and you're gonna fucking farm? in Iowa and fucking cut corn and do 16-hour days uh-huh. in this quotidian, awful fucking lifestyle, and that's a payoff? But that's the same reason you were There's saying no you're mystery? trying to be less atheist is because the atheists are saying they know also. But there's other things that you go, hey, you know what? I just thought about that song, and, and it came on the radio when I was depressed, and I thought I fucking... and. Dobie Gray fucking Drift Away comes on the radio when your fucking first wife just left you and you go, the only thing that could make me happy right now is that song. And you just moved to fucking Idaho and all your friends left you because you thought it'd be funny to move to Idaho. And and you think specifically (laughs) Dobie Gray Drift Away would be the only, and it comes on as you're thinking it. And you go, yeah, I know, I want to think that's God, but that's dumb, yes. but I want to—I still want to enjoy the moment. I don't want to yes. sit there like Pendulette and go, coincidence! <laughs> I, I want to I find some dumb joy, even if it's irrational, right. in all that silly stuff that is not like but religion think- where... where when, when laws are based on religion and people your whole life... You can't buy beer on Sunday in Massachusetts. Maybe you can now, but when I grew up, you couldn't. Right. The oneness is really, really <coughs> relates to the way I feel about the world. I just really feel it's all the oneness, you know? And even when I was coming here, I was thinking... What is the oneness? The oneness... We were all... It's just one frequency that we're all on. Except you know? for fucking douchebags. They, they just messed with the dial a little bit. <laughs> We're all on the same frequency except for all those fucking assholes. But they could get back there. They just need a little bit of uh, an engineer to work the board, you know? They just. (laughs) 
Well, and then you go back to, well, without good, there'd be no bad, et cetera. Yeah. If it weren't for bad luck, there'd be no luck at all. And it's just a bunch of dumb fucking bumper stickers and cliches. And what you try to do is you try to make yourself happy and you try to make those around you that you care about as happy as possible. And douchebags, you try to enlighten them to not be douchebags. And you're going to fail. And if that's your mission, you suck. But if you're going to just give it an honest shot... Out of- Is that what keeps you going in the end of the day? Like, when... there's, I, I, I always wonder about every guest I'm talking to. Like, what keeps them... What keeps them doing this crazy thing we do, you know? When you're doing... When you're going out there and doing comedy and I've heard you in interviews saying... I hate comedy. That's why I got to get drunk to go on there. But you're, but, but you're giving back something when you're doing it at the same time. And I wonder if that's the thing that's driving you at the end of the day. Like, what is fear is driving me? And it, it just, I, I, I hate David Tell. I uh, apologize for even likening myself to you, but it's, right. I, I did it out of there was ego for the, uh, the, the, the reason I first went up was ego. And then once I got a fan base, then I felt like, oh, shit, I I owe them. So now I'm just trying to keep up with the reputation that uh, a few people think that I have. And I don't want to disappoint you. It's just so a, I so write, it is a really a, just a giving back. You it's could, still ego. It's you could, all fucking ego. Really? Yeah, which is, yes, it's terrible. I don't want to be a failure now. Now. But you're already not a failure. If you said tomorrow, I'm Doug Stanhope, I don't want to do comedy anymore. I gave you what I gave you. You can listen to it a hundred times if you like. Goodbye. Nobody's going to be mad at you. I know, but I'm not rich. (laughs) What do you need to be rich for? You have everything you possibly need here in Bisbee. But what if I live for 20 more years? (laughs) I'm I'm with everyone else where I go, I'm dead in a couple years probably with my lifestyle. I really hope not. But if I live for 20 more years and I retired, you go, oh. God, I hope you get old, man. I really do. I want to hear old Doug Stanhope. Oh, my God. And I apologize to David Tell. Modern day philosophers. When I talked about the guys earlier who in New York really inspired me, I forgot to mention David Tell. And when you brought him up, not that anybody gives a shit, but David Tell. Also. David Tell and Mitch Hedberg in my generation, there's no question were the best. And they're completely different animals. But, uh, uh, oh, no, all I do is tell jokes. You have social commentary. You know, Every time I see Dave, I tell him how much I love him. And, and, he, and, and, and he doesn't. And it probably makes it. <laughs> makes as, him uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. The same way I, uh, I, I can't live up to all your expectations. Yeah. I don't have a huge fan base, but the ones I have that niche fan base that are so loyal that, and I know on some level I'm speaking to them, I don't get it, but I feel like I owe them to the point where I don't think I could ever live up. And then you have that one guy that goes, you used to be funny, and you're like, oh. You I just- can't believe that still affects you. Yeah, fuck it does. Wow. That's why I don't I don't Google myself. <laughs> Do you know how loved you are, Doug? I mean just Yeah, till one guy says they fucking that, hate you and that you go, guy's oh, on, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm living a delusion. But they you, all hate me. But you know I was telling you about the the engineer, man. That guy's just he needs the dials changed a little bit, you know? That we're 
<laughs> the real frequency that's out there. People love you. People. What is the frequency, Kenneth? All right, we have uh, we have like oh, two, shit, two more quotes. quotes. Go uh, ahead. I think uh, I think this is the next one. I'll move it up so you can read it. The sensitive eye. Put it in layman's speech. Okay, the sensitive eye we all know can never be able to serve it, can never be able to... Look at the sun, dude. It says don't... Or, orb of the sun. Like, if you're, if you're a sensitive dude, can you really grasp the, the orb of the sun unless strongly induced with solar fire? I feel like that's just him oh, trying oh, to be poetic. On. All right, I thought that was the only quote. Oh, I didn't no, no, know no. it went on. And participating largely in the vivid ray. Everyone, therefore, must become divine and and of godlike beauty before he can gaze upon God and the beautiful itself. I don't fucking get it. I'm never going to get it. <laughs> I'm not going to get any of this I don't get that one stuff. either. This is a I lot think of he's, fucking mumbo jumbo. I think he's really just trying to talk you about... You know who else stinks? Shakespeare. <laughs> try to read that shit. I don't know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> Did you ever try to read the Bible just as a joke? <laughs> You're taking a shit and there's nothing else in the fucking Sheraton Four Points. and It doesn't make sense. All right, how about this one? Life is the fight of the alone to the alone. Can you make anything of that? Life is the flight... Of the alone, to the alone. No, I don't get that at all. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> good, good. Someone just rewrite this alone. shit. Someone who gets it, like your wife. She's a writer. If you can make sense of that, rewrite it and go. Kylie, do you get it? Uh, I guess that we're all just alone. Yeah. <laughs> we all we're all lonely souls. Flight? Why are flight? we even giving I, this guy I guess credit? That's death. No one even. We can't pronounce his name. He probably wasn't even famous back then. He was the Bill Hicks of fucking Greek philosophy. <laughs> he probably wasn't even funny. <laughs> I'm smarter than you're giving me credit for. Uh, uh, we just don't get it. Exactly. Too many big words. We're drinking grog. Exactly grog. What do you get? The uh, world is. Well, that one's an easy one, right? The world right? is harmonious, knowable, and good. He's just saying it's a good world. You can get to know it, and it's and it's in harmony. All right. Last quote. We're this, at the, we're at the block very... this guy's email address. <laughs> <laughs> wherever it lies, say it. Cause, I'll, I'll, wherever it lies, under earth or over earth, the body will always rot. Exactly. <laughs> this just, but that's like so obvious. Yeah, we're all fucking dying. Yeah, we get it. I've got it since I learned about death as a child. Well, we're gonna, we're fucking, we're we're constantly dying, and that's I've I've I've. Been, Who were you as a kid? Who was the the young Doug Stanhope? I was a dick. I was a kid that got picked on, so I'd find weaker kids and pick on them worse. I was a fucking awful child. I'd torture animals that I didn't find cute. So we'd shoot fucking birds and frogs with BB guns and we'd put firecrackers in Kiver's mouths when we caught <laughs> Kiver. I don't know what you call them. Fucking Possum. goldfish. Possum? Not goldfish, Koi. but... Koi? Shitty little Carbs. ugly... No, no, they're smaller than carp. Anyway, I was a dick. 
was a dick, and I feel bad about it still. Well, you got a lot of animals now to make up for it, right? And they're assholes. They fucking hate me, probably because of their ancestors. No, I didn't fucking hurt kittens and dogs. I have. <laughs> you messed with the oneness, Doug. Yeah, you, everyone has that cutoff. Do you, do you stomp on cockroaches? Of course you do. Uh huh. I didn't for a long time in Brooklyn. I had like 200 of them in the apartment at one point before I hired an exterminator. I, I'm weird like that when I walk from the fun house to the kitchen. And there's ants everywhere. I walk around them and make sure I don't step on ants. Yeah. I, I feel like I have some karmic debt, but I don't write fucking ridiculous shit like this and act like it's <laughs> some kind of. This guy deep is more philosophy. out there than even you, the usual ones. Usually we can make some heads or tails of what he's saying. I don't know. Yeah, that last one was. Yeah, we're going to be dead someday, as Joe Rogan said. I think that was a name of his first. Uh, I'm going to be dead someday. Yeah, you summed it up. Thank you, Joe Rogan, for putting clarity to a fucking obvious thought that this guy makes you go, what does he mean by that? Oh, the obvious. Maybe that's how they talked. All right, let's get I, done with this and have I love real you. cocktails. Yeah. Make a sandwich. You I'm do a, a sandwich. I'm excited to hang out here tonight with you. And I, I want to tell you to wrap up this podcast. You know, before we started recording, you were talking about the Doug Stanhope death poll and all that shit. I really hope you get old, man. I really hope you're around for a long time. I, I love you. I really do. I, I, and uh, I, I, I find little things that make me happy. But if I fucking die tomorrow, and this is, this is where you say, if I say this, it's going to happen. But I'm, I'm happy with it. If I die tomorrow, there was nothing else I was longing for in life. You don't want to do another one of these? <laughs> no, but if you were Burt Kreischer, I'd, I'd fucking tough it out another day. Wow! Uh, that's a podcast. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for being on my show. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. sponsors stand up records and comic bento go use the promo code mdp get some comic bento delivered to your door thank you again to doug stanhope who was incredibly kind and generous in so many ways including the fact that he made this podcast a swap cast and put it up on his feed so he let people know about my podcast in that way and in my hopes to try and return the favor somewhat and incentivize you guys to go and check out his podcast, in addition to the fact that it's Doug Stanhope, and come on, who doesn't want more Doug Stanhope? you got to go check out Doug Stanhope's podcast either way. But this podcast on his feed is an extended version of the one you just heard. So if you want to hear a longer version of this show, you wouldn't be listening to exactly the same thing if you go to his podcast. And go check out Doug Stanhope's Shot Clog podcast. Do it right now. Do it today. And thank you to you, the listener. If you want to find out more, you can always go to moderndayphilosophers.net where you can make a donation to the show, the very donation that will keep this show alive and would be much appreciated by me. 
You can also make a purchase to support the show by going to iTunes and buying the first season of the show. It's only $9.99 for the first 12 episodes. Only available in the iTunes store. Or you can buy them individually for $0.99 cents each if you don't want to buy the whole season. I get it. Go do that. Otherwise, leave a nice comment on the iTunes page. Five stars. It helps our visibility. And uh, what else can I ask you to do? Nothing. Just keep, keep listening to the show. Tell people about it. Help grow it. Grow it like a dirty weed that it is. Thank you guys very much for tuning in and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time with another exciting and jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. And if you can't wait and you want to hear more of me right away, I also have another podcast called The Mostly Bull Market where I do the same thing I do about philosophy, only with financial news, which I know even less about than philosophy. So if you really want to hear me talk about something I know nothing about, go check out The Mostly Bull Market where we're talking mostly bull every week. All right, everybody, have a great week. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'll see you next time.